Thank you for joining in for this City Lights Church podcast. We're a new church in the north of Brisbane, and you can find out more about us at www.citylights.community. We hope that this podcast encourages you in your journey of following Jesus. Thank you. Uh, Before we do anything else, um, let's pray. Father, particularly we pray this morning for Sarah and and Michelle who are doing the children's work and all those kids out there. Father, whatever happens in here in terms of your anointing, in terms of discipleship, in terms of your presence and your spirit, let it happen there as well. We pray that those people, those young people, would be inspired to walk with you and serve you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, It's not 50 years uh, since um, I heard the message that I'm going to share with you, but it's about 49 years and six months since I heard this message. And uh, it's a message on giving and it's a message on tithing. And when I heard it, it electrified me. Now, some people get electrocuted by it rather than electrified by it. But I got electrified by this message on giving um, I'd, uh, Catherine and I had, um, at that time, been baptised in the Holy Spirit. For me, it was something that I was just desperate for, for over a year. Uh, as a young man, as a 19-year-old, I was weeping and calling out to God, Oh God, fill me with your Spirit, because if you don't, I just cannot live this Christian life. I cannot live this Christian life in my own strength. Interestingly, we were never meant to. You're never meant to, to use and live the Christian life in your own strength. And so uh, we, a Presbyterian young guy introduced us to an independent church and uh, we went along there. We got baptised in the Spirit. And when I came back from Ag College, I would go there. And this is the first message I heard on tithing. And it set me on fire. Not just because it was a great preacher, but because of the of people it was with, these were Jesus' disciples and had never met them before. These were people that wanted, like City Lights Church, that wanted to serve the Lord. And I went, I have no idea what you guys have got, but I want it. And I knew what I heard preached was part of what they had. So 1971, about May. So we're coming up to 2021, May, so nearly 50 years ago. Uh, I was 20 years old, uh, I was single, and I was broke. Uh, we, our family was fairly poor. The only reason I got to go to Ag College is that my dad had become a TPI, a totally and permanently incapacitated war pensioner, and I got a legacy scholarship to go to Ag College. And I was poor, I had no car, had no money in the bank. Well, in actual fact, I did. I didn't remember that until later on. Had no money in the bank. and. and i tell you how poor I was. I used to cut my own hair with a thing called a magic comb. You're looking at me because you're a hairdresser. It's like, how could I? And you call yourself a Christian, John. Anyway, a magic comb and it had a, like, a, uh, like a razor blade in it. You'd take it over your hair like that and all your hair would go. And uh, without hair, I looked like a VW superbug with the doors open. And obviously there was no girls interested in me in the time and I think I now, now know why I was doing my own hair. If I'd come to you, they would have been lined up. 
wanting to know who I was. This was one of the most impressive messages I'd ever heard. So let me, let me read this. So I'm going to give you one Old Testament scripture, Old Testament, giving in the Old Testament, time, but where? New Testament. I'll give you one Old Testament scripture, and then I'll give you two New Testament scriptures. This is the scripture, Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me, says the Lord. But we say, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you, God? He says, you've cheated me of the tithes and the offerings due to me. Isn't it true that when you come to church, they're always preaching on money? But it gets worse. So if you want to just strap yourself into the belt, this is where it says, and I, this is not, I'm not writing this, by the way. This is God talking to his people. He says, you're under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Then he says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be food enough in my temple. If you do so, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great that you will not have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Prove me today. I'll come back to those. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and diseases. Your grapes will not fail from the vi- will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Now let's rewind and start from the bottom up. Who wants to be blessed? Every one of us. Who wants to be known as a blessing? Who wants when people see you and your family, they go, they're blessed. Look at them. They're blessed. Who wants the product of your crops, herds, etc.? And in uh, Exodus, it says the product of your womb. Who wants that to be blessed as well? Who wants our children to be blessed and our children's children? Who wants that to happen? We want that. If we go from the bottom to the top, we find out that we need to respond to God in the ways that he wants us to do. Now, let me put it into context. This is Old Testament. God is talking about the Jewish people. And the reason why they're robbing him is because the tithes are the thing that supports the temple, the priesthood, the sacrifices, and the spiritual life of the nation. He's saying that when you stop supporting the spiritual life of the nation, which is not his responsibility but your responsibility, when you stop doing that, you bring on yourself a negative blessing, which is called a curse. I don't want to use that word. Uh, But that's what it is. Because if you stop the house of God progressing, the spiritual tone of the nation falls apart. And the things that he wanted to do with us and bless us, he, he can't do because we don't cooperate. Let me tell you that again. He can't do if we won't cooperate and do what we do. The Bible and Christian life and spiritual journey is made up of two things. We do what we're asked to do. He does what only he can do. And when we get those things in balance, uh, harmonic resonance, it just hums and it works. Bit confrontational. By the way, this is the only place in Scripture where it where it says, "And prove me today," says the Lord. Test me. It's the only time in Scripture where we're actually asked to test Him. 
He says, you do it. Put me to the test and see whether I'll bless you. Now, I can say, Catherine and I can say, that 50 years later, for us, it's working. Were there some rough days? I'll come to those later, briefly. This is what's called a command with promise. It was to remind the Jews that they were personally responsible for the maintenance and support of the temple, the priesthood, the sacrifices, the spiritual life of the nation of Israel. And to not to do so was to rob God. And the dynamic equivalent in the New Testament for us now, here, or should I say, to get really personal for me now here, is that I take seriously my responsibility to maintain and support the work of the church, the pastors, the work of the gospel, and all the support that the community of faith gives to the nation or the community. Get really personal and seriously. John, you're responsible. So my equation is this. How do I give? Have I got an equation for giving? It's not a percentage equation. It's generosity with responsibility. I'm responsible. If this church flourishes or not flourishes, for me, I have responsibility in that. But I'm going to do more than that if I'm going to err, as I was talking to somebody yesterday in their giving, who erred on the side of generosity. She said, what will I do? So, oh, but errs on the side of generosity. So if, if you're in doubt, just err on the side of generosity. Test me today, says the Lord. But it's Old Testament. And we're New Testament believers. If that is so, you cannot quote the promises of the Old Testament without quoting some of the dynamics around how it works, some of the context. So let's go to the New Testament. In Luke chapter 6, verse 37, or the last part of 37 and 38, New Living Translation, Jesus said, Forgive others and you will be forgiven. Give and you shall receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together, to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Who said that? So Jesus himself said, give and it shall be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. In the measure that you give to others, people will give back. And they will, in the old King James, they will press into your bosom. Now the bosom is actually the robe when they were out going across to uh, Seth and Sharon's place and I've got my robe on and I'm just about to go home and they say, why don't you take some mandarins? We've got some mandarins. And so I've got pockets but I put them in my bosom which is take the robe, swing the robe around, loop it, make a little bosom where you carry the babies in. It's like, can't fit any mandarins and there's twins in there already. And, uh, whoa, that was, no, sorry, that's prophesying. <laughs> and you fill up your bosom with mandarins and take them back. It's like, no, I'll take you. No, take more, take more. Men will press upon you. Take more. And we've seen such favour of God that people go, no, no, get some more, take some more, take some more. So much so it embarrasses us sometimes we've got to go home and give it away to other people. That's what Jesus said. You say, well... Give and it shall, he says, give and it shall be given to you. 
That's hard. I'm really struggling with this whole giving thing. Hey, hey, it gets worse. He said before, he said, forgive. He says, forgive and you will be forgiven. Which is saying, if you don't forgive, you... What's he trying to make disciples out of us or something? Is this some sort of discipleship course? Yes, it is. He wants us to be his followers. His ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And he wants us to align with him. And I'm just, you know, because if somebody gives a testimony and, you know, God said this and I did that and then your question to me or your question to others is, how's that working for you? How did that work out? You know, how's that going now? It's like, how's this radical Christian discipleship going? Well, 50 years later, it's going pretty good, actually. Is so somebody said, you know, are you giving to get? Because that's really not what this is about. And, and somebody said to me once, if you don't give by faith, you won't get it back again. So we had a chance to give a house away. If you don't give it by faith, you won't get it back again. I went, huh? I didn't give it by faith. Well, what did you give it by? I only gave it by love. I only gave it because I love the Lord. And I choose to be in that rest that really it doesn't matter. And by the way, he gave us a house back miraculously. And we live in a house that's fully paid for. Ask me about that story later on. But what he says is true. It's radical, but it's true. And then we go to the teachings of uh, the Apostle Paul. And he says this, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. With the same measure you give, it shall be given back to you. So I'm telling you the theology and the theory of it, but I'm going to come to the testimony in a minute. Then he says this, and this is really important. This is the caveat. This is, if you want an out, this is your out. This is just, I'm sitting here looking for an out. How do I get out of this? How do, it's like I'm being wedged here in this whole discipleship. Paul says this. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure or by constraint. Don't do it because somebody's forcing you to do it or do it religiously or somebody's watching. Don't do that. For God, Paul doesn't say for I or Paul. He says for God loves a cheerful giver. If you're going to give, give cheerfully. One of the translations of that word in the Greek is hilariously. <laughs> What's happening? Oh, it's offering time. Uh, it's like, whoa, this is great. When's the offering coming? Let's do the offering first. You know, it's like God loves a cheerful giver. Um, so actually, I, I, I work as a relationship manager. My role is fundraising. Who would have thought that the guy that loves giving gets a job in fundraising? Who would have thought at the age of 70 that somebody wants to employ me to do that? And I go to people and I say, John, are you here after our money? And I said, no, nah, not interested in your money. I'm here after your heart. The money will follow. And isn't that true? That God's not after our money. He's after our heart. And one of the ways to get our heart is to get our money because 
you know, where our treasure is, there our heart is also. It's like you've got a, got a cramp in your hand. Can I pray for you? No, no, no. It's my last dollar. <laughs> Hanging on to it. It's like, etc. God loves a cheerful giver. So when I heard this, when I heard this, I thought, this is fantastic. Just the same as what you're going through right now. You're going, this is fantastic. Why hasn't somebody told me this before? This is, what? how can I get started on this journey? And I thought, I'm going to go and do it now. I'm going to start giving now. I was 20 and I'm broke. So, hey, there's my out right now. Uh, think, of, think of the Parfit Boys, for example. Uh, think of Ben or Josh, the boys sitting in the, the row there. It's like I'm talking to them about giving. It's like, oh, bring it on, bro, because we're broke. You know, we're not obligated. You know, that's a good place to start. And then I realised and I remembered that I'd saved up. My, my father's mother had passed away and I got part of the inheritance. I think I got about $450 or something in 1971, which is like a king's ransom. And... Uh, with it, I bought a motorcycle, which I lent to somebody, and he had brought it back in a sugar bag. That's another story. And then um, I put $300 aside for uh, Catherine's engagement ring. And so I thought, I'm going to tithe. You know, my first tithe is going to be out of the $300. Uh, sorry, out of the, yeah, out of the $300. So what's 10%? By the way, the tithe means a tenth. What is 10% of 300 a hundred, did you say? Because when I, when I prayed about it, the Lord said, why don't you give a hundred away? Why don't you, if, if you're so keen on this message and so electric on this message, John, why don't you give a hundred dollars away? So I said, well, who do I give it to? And anyway, I was coming back on the train because I didn't have a car, coming back on the train. I'm sitting there on the train and the guy up in front of me was going talking to people on the train and handing out gospel tracts. So I got to meet him and he's a missionary. And I got talking, we became friends, and the Lord said, give David $100, which was like two and a half weeks' wages. My first wage in 1972, working for Ingham's, uh, the poultry people, as an uh, assistant farm manager, was $52 a week, and lucky to get it. And lucky to get it, and I gave $100 away. And uh, interesting, the scripture says, and I quoted it to you, in the same measure that you give, it shall come back to you. Who would have known that years later that Catherine and I became missionaries? And who would have known that in our six and a half years in Thailand that we were given tens of thousands of dollars, both for our support, our travel, education for the kids, and also for our ministry fund to do ministry and open churches, etc.? Tens, tens of thousands of dollars. Who would have thought that that would have happened? But in the same measure that I gave, it came back to me. It was just amazing. Um, it, it, was, it, it was so embarrassing, actually, that the mission society that we were with came to me and said, John, stop raising money. You've got too much money. Other missionaries haven't got enough. You've got too much. You can't spend what you've got. So we sent uh, Natalie and Nathan back to Australia and I had enough money in my account to pay for Nathan to go to COC College. And the Mission Society says, you can't take your mission money and send your child to a Christian school, even though we're not with him. You've got to send your kid to a public school. And you, but I said, I've got the money. You can't use that money. And our friend stepped in and said, 
we'll cover all his fees for year 11 and 12. In the same, we were looking after God's kingdom and God's people and the Lord said, I'll look after yours. So this is not my testimony. This is your testimony. And it starts today, if you haven't started on that journey yet, do what I did. Say, God, I'm electrified by this message because it's the word of God. Secondly, say, Lord, how do you want me to live? Because it's your choice. It's not our choice. We don't know. There are some societies that somebody was telling me this where you go to church and they stand up in church and they read out what tithes the members give. It's a five-hour service and uh, there's time for it and there's reason for it and then they read it out and culturally it's acceptable. Uh, Not at City Lights Church, I don't think. For the three people that are left... (laughs) But it's, it's, but it's culturally acceptable. Uh, the thing is, you determine between you and God to step into, into what? Into financial rest. Stepping into finance. Lord, I'm going to trust you with my finances. Now, we've got a friend, uh, Pastor Brian, who was uh, a school administrator. Short guy, balding guy. And he's, a, he's an administrator accountant, but also a pastor. And when he teaches on tithing, as a, an accountant, he says, I cannot live on 100% of my wage, but I do better on 90%. Uh, somebody said to me one day, John, do I give gross or net? Do I give before tax or after tax? I said, well, it's up to you. My question is, how do you want God to give back to you? Do you want him to give back to you, gross or net? Does he want to take his... Because t- <laughs> give and I will give to you, he says. So would you stand with me for a minute? I'm actually... If I'm not finished, I should be. Um, uh, husbands and wives, can you talk about this yourselves? You know, there's, you know it's got to be a husband and wife thing, as Catherine and I do. Uh, I, I now have access to Catherine's bank online. She gets paid. I get access to it. And the first thing she does every month, she said, have you paid my tithes? Why haven't you paid my tithes? Why haven't you paid my, have you paid my tithes? That's what she says to me. Now, I'd like to sing over you this morning, but Andrew won't let me, so uh, let me not go there. <laughs> That's a true stay. Would you look at me for a minute? Look at me for a minute. Father, here we are. And we're disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, we don't want to be anything but that. We don't want to take up time or space on the planet, uh, living some sort of a nearly Christian life. We want to be true followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are people of the book. That's not just New Testament, but it's Old Testament as well. We're people of the book and we're people of faith. But we're also people of incredible love and appreciation for your work in our life. And if by living this way, we can help build the kingdom, build the church, preach the gospel, change lives as well as living in rest and depending on you, would you help us do that? For Christ's sake, we pray. 
Amen. God bless. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Just stay seated just for, we're going to finish in just a, a few minutes. I don't know if you remember a couple of weeks ago, um, I shared that story about the house inspection that we went on, Rebecca and I, many years ago. And we were looking through the different rooms and there were rooms that were locked off. And our intention in this church is that our future is a group of people that are fully committed to Jesus, that say that there is no area in their life that is off limits. And so we want to invite you into that in every area of your life. The Holy Spirit will speak to you um, in all kinds of different ways. But our future is we are going all in. We're getting those uh, chips, maybe not crisps, maybe not Doritos, but and we're pushing them in the center and saying, hey, God, we trust you enough that in every single area of our life, we can follow you. And that is our future. I want to pray for us uh, right now. I want you to bow your heads. Maybe you're here this morning and you have never made that first step in saying, Jesus, I want to follow you. That first step in saying, Jesus, I want to put you first in my life. I accept you into my heart and I recognize you as God. If that's you, while people's heads are bowed and eyes are closed, would you just let me know so I can pray for you by just slipping up your hand wherever you are, if that's you, and you want to make that uh, first and important step. I'd love to pray for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for this group of people. God, we believe that this group of people is our city changers. We believe that when we connect every single area of our life to you, we are going to experience peace. We are going to see blessing. We are going to carry the message of Jesus, the message of hope to every, every single area of our lives. And so God, we thank you for that. In the name of Jesus, Lord, those with needs, those with fear, those with anxiety, those needing healing, God, we pray in the name of Jesus just for a release of your peace. Lord, this week, we don't want to just go through the motions, but we want to stay connected to you. That picture of a, uh, a branch that is connected to the vine. We want to see you as the source of life, as the source of hope. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about City Lights Church at www.citylights.community.